welcome to Follow, a Latter-day Saint Scripture Poetry Podcast. My name is Mary Jane Rice. Thank you for joining me today. The reading this week is Romans chapters 1 through 6. The poem I'm sharing today was inspired by my thoughts on the expansiveness of grace, as treated in Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. If you'd like to read along, you can find this poem on my website at maryjanerice.com. Let's begin. Grace, like water, river that cuts through sediment and stone, spring that feeds green trees in desert, tears that wash souls from stain and suffering, ocean that spreads and fills and fills and fills forever. The title of my book, Grace Like Water, is drawn from this poem. I chose it because I think it embodies the core message of the New Testament, which is that grace is available to us all and it will never run out. It is as plentiful and renewable and varied in all its forms as water is on the earth. What does grace mean to Latter-day Saints? The Bible dictionary included with our study resources calls it divine help or strength given through the bounteous mercy and love of Jesus Christ. Latter-day Saints believe that through grace all people will be resurrected and receive immortality no matter what. We also believe that through grace those who choose to repent and rely on Jesus as Savior can gain eternal life and exaltation as well. That is to live for eternity as joint heirs with Christ, sharing in all that is his. So we have a sort of a double-sided definition of what grace does. It can achieve different levels of things. We don't earn grace through our efforts. Rather, it is grace that gives us strength and assistance to do good works that we otherwise would not be able to maintain. I'll share a few of the notes I jotted down while I was studying the topic of grace. First, I think the reason grace must be eternal and inexhaustible is because salvation is not a one-time occurrence. It is a process wherein we allow ourselves to be changed by God into what he wants us to become. We may not earn salvation, but I do think we work toward it by exercising faith, which is a combination of belief and action. Paul himself taught that the gospel should change the way we live. I remember a particular talk by Bradley R. Wilcox that he gave at Brigham Young University titled, His Grace is Sufficient. In this talk, he compared grace to a child taking piano lessons. I'll read the relevant quote and then share a link to the talk in the show notes. Brother Wilcox said, Christ's arrangement with us is similar to a mom providing music lessons for her child. Mom pays the piano teacher. Because mom pays the debt in full, she can turn to her child and ask for something. What is it? Practice. Does the child's practice pay the piano teacher? No. Does the child's practice repay mom for paying the piano teacher? No. Practicing is how the child shows appreciation for mom's incredible gift. It is how he takes advantage of the amazing opportunity mom is giving him to live his life at a higher level. 
Mom's joy is found not in getting repaid, but in seeing her gift used, seeing her child improve. And so she continues to call for practice, practice, practice. If the child sees mom's requirement of practice as being too overbearing, perhaps it is because he doesn't yet see with mom's eyes. He doesn't see how much better his life could be if he would choose to live on a higher plane. In the same way, because Jesus has paid justice, he can now turn to us and say, follow me, keep my commandments. If we see his requirements as being way too much to ask, maybe it is because we do not yet see through Christ's eyes. We have not yet comprehended what he is trying to make of us. That's a great quote, and it basically sums up my feeling about grace, which is that grace is not simply about saving us from damnation or punishment in hell. It's it's about making us into something else, something new, something more Christ-like. And in that respect, we need to practice, practice, practice our whole lives. Another thing I noted from my study was the foundational nature of law. To deny good and evil is to say that things like murder or rape or theft, etc., are not intrinsically bad in and of themselves, but simply bad based on how each individual perceives their effects. If you try to get rid of misery by defining sinfulness out of existence, then you necessarily destroy happiness by defining righteousness out of existence. In Romans, words like righteous and righteousness could be seen as synonyms of words like just and justification. So righteousness would mean cleansed from sin, And self-righteousness would mean excusing yourself from sin or thinking you can save yourself through your own actions. Finally, I think outward performances such as taking the sacrament or attending the temple can help strengthen our faith in Christ so we can more fully accept his grace, but they don't automatically do so. Our minds and hearts need to be engaged to take advantage of that. For example, um, memorized repeated prayers aren't a problem if we are fully paying attention to the words and the meaning behind them and engaged with them. Repetition is not the problem. Vain or empty repetition is. Now I'll read the poem for you again. Grace, like water, river that cuts through sediment and stone, Spring that feeds green trees in desert. Tears that wash souls from stain and suffering. Ocean that spreads and fills and fills and fills forever. That's all for today. You can find more of my poetry at facebook.com slash Latter-day Saint Poetry or visit maryjanerice.com. That's M-E-R-R-I-J-A-N-E rice.com. My contact information is in the show notes along with a link to the talk by Bradley R. Wilcox that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Thank you for listening. May your time spent in the scriptures this week be rewarding.